Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I've always loved the story of Naaman the Syrian. You can find it in the second book of Kings, in the part of the uh, book dealing with Elisha the prophet. By the way, one and two kings, that's a great way to get into the Bible if you're, if you're kind of new to it or you want to get back in the Bible, full of wonderful stories. This story of Naaman, on the surface at least, is, is pretty simple narrative, but boy, does it pack a punch, spiritually speaking. I once gave a talk many years ago, like a half hour, 45 minute talk to a group of, of men, just using the story of Naaman, because I think it illumines so many different aspects of the spiritual life. So here's the, here's the background. Naaman is a powerful and important man. He's the head of the Syrian army at a time when Syria was a major political power. So, you know, think of, I don't know, who's the leading American general right now? I'm not sure, but uh, major political power. Here's the leader of the army. That's who Naaman is. He was famous, influential, feared admired. In fact, he's probably the kind of person that most of us would like to be in a kind of worldly sense, right? The kind of life I want, I want to be famous, powerful, you know, maybe my enemies fearing me, my friends admiring me. That's the kind of person I want to be, right? But now here's where things get interesting from a biblical standpoint, because the Bible's always telling a different story. It's not telling the worldly story. Some of the great biblical heroes are from a worldly standpoint, prominent. But that's never what the Bible is interested in. It's always telling a deeper, more subversive kind of story. So we find out Naaman has leprosy. So what the Bible means by leprosy, we're not entirely clear, but some kind of you know disfiguring of skin disease. One can only imagine how this worried and bedeviled and humiliated someone like Naaman. Right? You're a big, prominent public figure, but you got this nagging problem. You've got this nagging, embarrassing uh, condition. Okay, first great spiritual lesson. Every one of us, no matter how important, accomplished, and admired we are, has some form of leprosy. That is to say, something, a disease, a mental illness, a nagging moral fault, an addiction. I, mean, I don't know what it is, but something that bedevils us, humiliates us, frightens us. Perhaps I could invite everybody listening to me right now. Take a moment and call to mind what that is, because we've all got it. There's something, no matter how great we are, how accomplished we are, there's something in us that bedevils us, that eats at us. St. Paul, by the way, famously referred to it as the thorn in his flesh. We never find out what that is exactly. 
Remember that Paul says to the Lord, I mean, three times I begged you to take it away from me. But you said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So Paul had this thorn in the flesh. How we would love to rid ourselves immediately of the problem. But be careful, because this might be the very thing that God is most using to bring you to him. Let me say that again. This is the second great spiritual lesson. The very thing we most would like to get rid of in our life might be the very thing that God is using to bring us closer to him. See, in the biblical reading, the greatest obstacle to union with God is always our own pride. Pride is the, is the capital sin. It's the, the most deadly of the deadly sins. God doesn't frown on our accomplishments in themselves. But they can become a moral block if we begin puffing up our egos. Perhaps, and gosh, the Bible tells the story again and again, doesn't it? Perhaps he will use your very weakness to get to you. Where you stumble, as the old adage has it, that's where you should dig for treasure. Therefore, if you want to be healed, you have to walk the path of humility. There's, there's in some ways, the hinge upon, this, upon which the story turns. See, because watch as the story of Naaman unfolds how step by step the great man is humbled. So first of all, we hear it's through a young Israelite slave girl that he hears of a prophet who might cure him. See, so Naaman's army would have captured this this girl, this, this Israelite girl, and she had heard about Elisha the prophet who was a healer, right? But in Naaman's retinue, it would be hard to imagine anybody lower than an Israelite slave girl. A foreign slave girl was about as low on the social scale as you could get. In the normal course of things, she would quietly serve her great master, but now she's the source of wisdom. She's the one who knows, and Naaman has to humbly accept her recommendation. Now, the word she brings could not have been a welcome one to someone like Naaman. He'd have to go to an avatar of a foreign religion. So there's a prophet in Israel. He's thinking, yeah, but Israel, and that's this little country where you're going to conquer Israel. I'm not beholden to Israel. What if someone told you, you know, you've got to go to India and bathe in the Ganges to be cured? Now, again, I'm not recommending Hinduism. Don't write me letters. I'm just trying to give you a sense of the feeling tone of this. What do you mean I have to, I have to go to the River Ganges to, to be healed? Well, that's a bit what it was like for Naaman to hear this from the, from the girl. Well, humbly, he takes her advice. And with the permission of his own king, he ventures to the king of Israel with the message that he wants to see this famous prophet. Now, the king of Israel suspecting, understandably enough, that this is probably an attempt to spy out his country. So imagine you're the king of Israel, and here's the general of your, your, enem- the, your enemy's army. And he says, oh, by the way, could you just give me permission to go seek out this prophet of yours? What's the king thinking? This guy, come on, this is just a, a scam. He's trying to spy out the country. And so he tears his clothes, and he turns them down. 
Again, how humiliating for Naaman this must have been. He's this conquering general, and now he's got this little this little provincial king is is blocking his way. He's already humbled himself to come to this foreign country at the bidding of a of a slave girl, and now the king is telling him you can't do it. Then we hear that Elisha himself, the prophet, gets wind of the situation. And he persuades the king to let Naaman come to see him. So, okay, now Naaman is on his way to see the, the great man. But before he gets to the prophet's house, a messenger from Elisha meets bearing a word from the holy man. You must go and bathe seven times in the Jordan. Now, first of all, Think of the world Naaman is used to moving in. He's the general of his great army. He's one of the leading figures of his country. He went to see the king just a few days before. Now he's coming to see this prophet, this provincial prophet. I never heard of him before. And this guy sends a messenger? He doesn't even come himself to greet him? How humiliating that must have been. But then things are even worse. Bathe in a river? Now listen to what... Naaman says, I thought that for me, he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. And that's what he's expecting. Heck, I've come all this way to see you. The least you could do is come out and meet me and then you know say a prayer and do some, some liturgical gesture. Wouldn't that make more sense? Instead, you send me a, a flunky? A flunky comes out to meet me and then tells me I got to go jump in a river seven times? I mean, come on, pay a little personal attention to me here. That's what Naaman is saying. So listen to him. He says, Are not Abana and Farpar, these are two rivers of Damascus, aren't they better than all the waters of Israel? He wants to dunk myself in these foreign streams. See, he's once again humiliated. Once again, Naaman has to humble himself. Well, after all these setbacks and all these affronts to his pride, he says, okay, 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 I'll do it. And he dips into the river seven times. And listen, his flesh became again like the flesh of a child, and he was clean of his leprosy. What's the great spiritual lesson? His suffering, his embarrassment, his thorn in the flesh was healed precisely through the quelling of his pride and the submission of his will to God. That's the lesson, everybody. I think that's the hinge here. His suffering, his embarrassment, his great thorn in the flesh was healed precisely through the quelling of his pride and the submission of his will to God's will. Easy? Hardly. I mean, you tell me. That's what this story is all about. Put yourself in his position. But the only way to spiritual healing is through humility. So, again, let me ask you, what's your leprosy? What's your thorn in the flesh? Something, we all got something. Are you willing to let go of your pride and to accept whatever God wants from you, whatever God asks of you? 
Okay? Now, with that, as I close, just a glance at the gospel, which parallels this reading of, about Naaman. As the Lord Jesus is entering a village, he's met by ten lepers. So, we're centuries later, but the same, the same issue. Standing at a distance, of course, that was required by Jewish law, they raised their voices and cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. You know, it's lovely there, I think. Um, that's the great mark of humility. They know no great act of their own is going to save them here. Nothing they could possibly do. There's no self-help manual. There's nothing they could accomplish. Rather, they simply had to submit to the Lord and call upon his name in faith and trust. Now listen to me, everybody, all of us who have leprosy. You know, that's the first step. That's what we all have to do is, is admit our powerlessness, admit our weakness, and say, as, as we Catholics do at every Mass, right? We begin the Mass with what? Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We're saying exactly what these ten lepers are saying. But then as the story closes, how wonderful that the Samaritan, mind you, like Naaman, an outsider to Israel, that's the point here, has the further grace and humility to give thanks. We hear, he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. So should we, when healing comes, as it will only come through humility. Then we hear the wonderful words, of the Lord. Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Remember what I mentioned to you last week. Faith is not credulity, not naivete. It's an attitude of trust in the will and purpose of God. How do I deal with the, with the thorn in the flesh? Turn to the Lord in an attitude of humble begging. Lord, save me. And then when the healing comes, as it did for Naaman, as it did for these ten lepers, have the further humility to kneel down and give thanks. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.